because there's two things that a lot of kids don't have and is somebody to listen to them and somebody that has their back. I mean, you can love somebody and have their back without condoning their actions. Right. Like you don't have to come down and I mean, just listening and, and what's going on and, you know, sometimes and in, in, as a believer, I think it's my job to just go face to face, punch people in the mouth with the Bible. There are times for that, I would say, but the receptiveness of them to receive what God has for them is going to be dependent upon the relational equity of the person that shares it, right? So. Hey, I'm excited to bring you another great guest today. We've got a guy who has worked in the FCA for 10 years. He has become a licensed ordained minister. He's been a chaplain of several athletic teams. His name's Lincoln Lawing, and now he has created a a company called ASAF Talks, where he has developed his skills and uh, as a speaker, and he's an author, and now a most recently podcast host and he goes around talks to teams talks to schools talks to groups business people um just about spirituality about his faith about his journey and today he's got a great perspective from the athletic sector of just his coaching and ministry on athletic teams as a chaplain so i can't wait to hear his perspective on where he thinks teens are where he thinks they can go and what the potential is what the future looks like so welcome lincoln lawing to last in line podcast hey man welcome back lincoln lawing for the second time on last in line podcast how's it going man going good man glad to be here uh enjoyed it the first time looking forward to a great time again today so thanks for having me back yeah yeah man perfect timing uh because you're 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 right in the middle of your your baseball season and you're helping with a uh college teams and you're chaplain to for certain teams and i i know you spent 10 years with fellowship of christian athletes up until 2021 maybe when you started your own speaking writing kind of traveling company uh asaf talks talk about kind of your time with fellowship christian athletes because i think it it's relevant for our topic today yeah you know i I started off with fellowship of christian athletes as an area representative just serving four or five schools in the footprint there working primarily with coaches and athletes and and then, you know, just continued to expand a little bit. So toward the end was right, you know, doing a few counties right in Charlotte and just south of that. But, man, it was great for me. I learned a ton. I was coaching middle school ball at the time. So it was like trying to figure that out and being around these guys and coaching middle school ball while I was doing FCA was great because what I was trying to teach and preach to the coaches, I was having to do as well. Uh not to set the bar too low here, but just a, a, a funny fact as part of my, you know, I'm a little bit emotionally volatile. So there in, uh, especially when coaching and yeah, we had an ejection, I was leading an ejection free initiative for the County. I was serving as the FCA director and ended up being the only middle school head coach that got ejected that year. So I was, uh, <laughs> had to learn, but I, I tried to tell them though, John, I tried to say, I can't run an effective, 
ejection free initiative unless I know what the protocols are, right? Like I need to know what happens and they, they didn't buy that. But right. You know, we <laughs> serving coaches, serving athletes, doing events. I mean, just kind of right there on the front lines with middle school, high school, college people just going through and doing mm-hmm. life with them and working with them. Yeah. And and so you're perfectly qualified to talk about teenagers now i know you've got younger kids i don't know if you have teenagers yet do you not yet eight okay. nine years old so they think they're teenagers uh, two daughters, they, but, uh, they do yeah i mean my daughter's 14 uh and she just turned 14 and she's going on 25 you know <laughs> mature she's got three older brothers so that's a whole other topic but yeah so you you're you're getting prepared by coaching these guys granted you're not coaching girls but you're kind of getting prepared to what to look for as teenager in teenagers so man we're going to talk a little bit about i'm going to read you a couple statistics and just kind of get your take on what's out there in the country and and we do have this kind of overarching concern with teenagers right now that we maybe didn't have 10 or 20 years ago you know when i was a teenager long long ago this certainly i don't think was as much of a factor but we've got one out of 10 youth uh cope with some sort of severe depression uh condition one out of one out of 10 that's that's to me that's a lot um 1400 teens attempt suicide so this is in the next 24 hours this was a couple years ago data but i would imagine it's higher after covid and those kinds of things so 1,400 teens will attempt suicide in the next 24 hours. Uh, 15,000 will use drugs for the first time. 2,800 teen girls will be pregnant, become pregnant in the next. I mean, it's crazy, man. 50% of mental illness starts at age 14. So, man, I don't know. You know, you're seeing athletes. Let's keep it in that, that space, I guess. But what's your thoughts on some of those stats and anything – kind of overflow into what you do on a regular basis like do you see guys that are sort of in this sort of i don't know if you can tell they have maybe some stuff going on let's just say no i do and i you know i've those statistics are like with anybody i mean they're that's going to be shocking to hear and, and and tough to hear but i think being around it it's not surprising because you're right i think one of the biggest things that has jumped up or that I've seen more of over the last five to 10 years has been suicide and attempted suicide. I think that that's one of the most tragic of those. It's something I've dealt with as close as where my kids go to school or teammates of people that we've, that I've worked with. And I think that's uh, what it does to the surrounding friends and community and how they cope with that is tough. But I I think from the, what I'm seeing the most of is if I had to, not that we can pinpoint it, but there's so much information that kids are consuming now. I mean, there's so much info, there's so much comparing, there's so much going on. I feel like from an early age, brains are just on overload. I mean, it just seems like the brain is, you know, I don't know the stats, so I'm not going to quote it, but we consume more information now in one 24 hour period than people living in the 800, 1800s or one of that did like their whole life. Yeah, I need yeah. to check up on, but I think that that the amount of information that's consumed, it's like the brain's always on overload and it's, you know, there's always a comparison and it's like, there's problems that 
young people and teenagers have had for generations. But I think now they have the ability to compare yourself to others like we never have before. And I think that that's one of the things that I see, but we've dealt with that and working with baseball guys a lot, like a lot of what I do now is I've had a um, addiction in my past. I've still journeyed through mental health things that started as a teenager. And I think people say, you know, cause a lot of what I do is with addiction or mentoring, but also chaplaincy. And they're like, Hey, how do those two interact? There hasn't been one team that I've done chaplaincy for, whether it's, collegiate or pro guys I've worked with or middle school or high school where addiction or mental health had not hit their family at some point. I mean, it's always whether it's them directly or their family and how do they cope with it? How do they process it? It's tough because it's supposed the kids are supposed to be the ones that can lean on the adults in the home to be able to walk through that. But if the adults are going through it and then what that does to the kids is tough. So I just think there's so much information. There's so many more options out there to to do the wrong thing and last thing on that is I think that the wrong thing is kind of glorified now I think the right. the the you know kind of the people that are seeking attention if you yeah. want to seek attention it's almost like hey the the crazier things that you do the more attention that you get and that's a yeah. tough tough place to be it is it we have we have kind of glorified the extreme behavior i mean any anybody that looks at tiktok will see that you hear tiktok famous and the crazier it gets the more famous you get and uh mm-hmm. it's it, it is becoming just rampant uh in the teenage world you know and and so i know that you guys so that you're traveling you know the country a lot of times with these teams and you're you're seeing this competitive environment with high high level baseball guys um man what what do you how do you see that is it manifesting on the field like some of these things does it manifest where does it does the field give them an outlet i guess is as athletics turned into something that can be therapeutic for certain kids who are maybe struggling with different things and and what do you see in that and where where have you kind of had to step in as a resource to be like a that positive voice for some of these kids that are maybe dealing with some aggression, dealing with some ADHD, dealing with some depression, you know, how, how has baseball or sports in general really become that outlet for them? Well, I've seen it positive and negative. I, I start with the bad news kind of, yeah. I feel like that the social media environment has, has seeped onto the field. And this sure. has just shocked me being with college guys. There's so much more trash talk now than there used to. And, and like, look, I'm not yeah, everybody, yeah. you know, you hit one. I mean, I'm always like a little competitive edge. But these guys yeah. nowadays, especially at the college level, are chirping 24-7. It's crazy how yeah. – not, not that that is all bad. I mean, it's competitive environment. But I've seen a lot more chirping. And I think the biggest thing I've seen is, as weird as this sounds – Used to, you go to the ball field, you go two for four, oh for four. You know, you kind of go through it in your mind. Now there's so many stats that can get uploaded to social media, swing trackers, launch yeah. angles. I mean, if you have a bad night, you can go home and dwell on it for six hours if you want to. It's crazy. But there's a matrix for everything. Yeah. Dude, there is. They can tell you what umpire calls outside corner. It's, it's unbelievable. So the, mm. there's no shortage of info, which I always joke. When I played, there was a couple guys I knew that played in the big leagues, and they never knew their launch angle. They just hit. That's right. You know, That's I, right. But from yeah. the outlet standpoint, I do believe – I've always thought 
sports and I'm around baseball the most is just a huge outlet for people to because you know I'm speaking from men right now I mean they need to have a place where they can compete where they can outsmart the guy or put their gifts and talents in, in, in display and I think that having that outlet and and the outlet that it comes with you ask any of the guys that play what was your favorite part about it it's always the relationships that they had with their teammates and I yeah. think that in the small groups I've seen with chaplaincy and things like that, being able to process what's going on, being able to go to your teammates when things aren't going good, being able to go to your teammates when you think they're down. The camaraderie that comes with team sports is, in my opinion, one of the best things that keeps people out of the ditch, you know, metaphorically, because one, yeah, they're having that outlet to play, but you're with these guys all the time. They know you. They know what you're about. They know what's going on with your family. And it's almost like you have this 360 kind of eyes on you, and it helps as things are getting off track or if you're dealing with stuff, you've got a coach and you've got teammates that can lean in and do that. So I'm a huge believer in the community aspect that comes with it. You know, playing baseball is not all about making it to the big leagues. It could be about all the lessons that you learned and the guys you got to do it with until you were, whether it's 12 20 or 35 and those are relationships you'll have the rest of your life for sure and guess what you you get to be around a bunch of guys that know how to handle a lot of failure too baseball being the highest failure percentage sport i think that i can think of um and and the hardest sport if you ask me uh but you know when you're around enough people that are having to cope and deal with failure and pull each other up through that so that they can function as a unit that doesn't prepare you for life any better than that. Like, I think that's a great platform to get guys to expect what to do, like expecting failure, but then knowing what to do with it, right? Not seeking it out, but not being surprised by it. Um, you spent a long time in, in with Fellowship Christian Athletes, so you were dialed into that, right in that, you know, junior high, high school age for a long time, and you're not that far removed from it. So I want to dig into maybe some of that as we can kind of fold in our faith into, into those environments. I mean, athletes and faith, like I think – I don't think I know that faith when you when you pour that into that situation could impact these stats that we're talking about in a positive way. It, it can have an effect on these numbers. What um, what did you what was your role? Like what did you have to kind of pull out of yourself during those times of being around fellowship Christian athlete kids in those moments of you, you saw them maybe at their lowest, but then you saw them at their highest too spiritually. So what was your role and how did that impact the, that group of folks? I think two things. Number one, being right there on the front lines with, with high school and middle school athletes. And then I still do a lot of that now at the youth level. But I think three things I said two, but I think three. Number one, it would always go back to identity. I believe that the biggest way – I would see kids get sideways is, you know, in today's culture, it's all about what you do, what you produce or what you're putting online. And that bar always moves. There was never a baseline like no. So whether it's guys in high school, seeing all their friends signing on Twitter and they're thinking, I don't have an offer yet. So what am I doing wrong? Or, you know, seeing people in a relationship or doing certain things with their family. And I, it would always go back. What we would preach all the time is who you are. And the foundation of that is based in the finished work of what Jesus has done. That, that, that Mm. should be the baseline. 
in the guide. Now, not that that eradicates all those problems, but when it starts there and you begin to renew your mind and you begin to sit on that, you realize, okay, my identity and who I am and the foundation of my life is not dependent on what I produce on the field, in school, where I go to college, what relationship I'm in. Because even worse than a lot of things I see is not the kids that don't have the opportunities they think they should. The most tragic is the kids that do achieve everything they were told to achieve only to find out, whoa, that isn't even what gives me peace and contentment. I got into the best school or I'm I'm making the right amount of money. And you're like, whoa, I I was chasing everybody else's dream my whole life. And I never really understood who God made me to be. So that that foundation was key. So I, when, whenever I would see people at their lowest, because it's amazing how family issues, mental health, addiction have no demographic barrier. I mean, we <laughs> would have these football camps and we would have the highest free and reduced lunch rate and the lowest free and reduced lunch rate in the zip code at the same camp. And so the gospel would be shared. People would pull out into small groups, exact same conversations. It's the same things we mentioned. It's depression. It's um, relationship problems. It's my parents are having issues. It it, it showed no demographic. So number one was identity. Number two, it's so hard for kids to understand why bad things happen to good people. I think not being able to process the unfairness of life is what led to a lot of that. Like we would have guys, you know, teenagers after football camp and he'd be like, yeah, I hear the speaker saying God loves me, but my dad walked out. There's my mom's new boyfriends abusing her. Like it was so hard. How can a good God allow that to happen? And when you're in that situation like him, you're either going to process it and move forward in faith, or you're going to try to numb that pain. Yeah. So I think what a lot of these statistics come from are things that happen that are outside of these kids control. They really are. And there's not enough people around them to surround them because it's one to preach. It's one to be there, but it's another to be ground level walking through that. That's a messy and difficult place to be because we don't have those answers. But for me, it would be always saying, Hey, our identity goes back to Christ. Like God sovereignly allowed that to happen, but like that God's just as heartbroken over that as you are. Mm. And you can either be a victim and, and, and do that, or you can move forward in faith. And that, cause I'd say there's, there's a difference between a reason and an excuse. I mean, I've been had addiction issues, mental health stuff, and there's a reason I feel that way, but I can't use it as an excuse to, to do that. And I see that a lot among, you know, unchecked things going on that just lead them to a place where it's so hard. So I think it's important for us as adults, coaches, leaders, volunteers, not to think we have to have all the answers, not to think we have to have a sermon in our back pocket, but a lot of the best contact ministry work that I've ever seen is just listening to what's going on. Be there, listen, walk through it with them. Don't act like you have all the answers because nobody does and just love them through that and be a safe place for them to process. Mm -hmm. And I think I've seen great, great healing take place and be able to know where to, where to get them for that to work. Yeah. Hey, do yourself a favor when you get done listening to this episode and go check out my sponsors on their websites. 
Those links will be in the show notes. But I want to thank the following for supporting Last in Line podcast. I want to thank Armored Nation Coffee. I want to thank the folks at Do Work That Matters. Uh, I want to thank Kevin Fulton over at Lead Like Lions. Thank you to Gridiron Coffee. And thank you to Cowboy Revolution Apparel. Those are just a few and we're adding to the list, but these are ones who have started with us at Ground Zero and are sticking with us uh, till the end, hopefully. So go check out their website, get some of their products. Now back to the show. You know, there's a lot there to unpack. And, I, you know, I think it's what kept coming to me is how do we stay consistent with the contact that you're speaking of? Because it's one thing to have an event like Fields of Faith with with that Fellowship Christian Athletes where the kids just come to the stadium and everybody, you know, we hear testimony and it's just a it's a great evening. But then those that same kid's got to go back home to that abusive stepdad, right? And so he hears about, like you said, how good God is. He sees his peers going through things and and leaning on each other, leaning on their faith. Then you go home to another environment where what's right in front of you, because let's face it, we can't really see the goodness of our faith all the time tangibly. What's right in front of you is a dark situation. So I think staying connected with those people to with that youth with that generation which is why i'm talking about this this month is because as parents as leaders as mentors it doesn't even have to be your kid like get involved in coaching get involved at your church your youth group go go be a guy a man that stands in the corner at youth on wednesday nights as a presence that some of those kids need to see as a good godly example a leader strong you know protective um how how do you suggest to the dads listening to this that stay connected with your teenager be intentional on how you engage that kind of thing yeah i think you're right because in in most any parental advice i give i always say this is from my point of view as a son when i was growing up or what i've seen among other teenagers, but I, I think that the biggest way I've seen parents become informed of what's going on is by staying as a consistent line of communication with their kids because the kids know it. So just being present and hearing from them and being invested is, is what kind of opens the door to that. But what you said is huge. I believe it as men, women, leaders, we have a responsibility to Number one, make sure we're doing all our we can in our own home yeah. and not getting sideways when, you know, when our own kids act up. I think a lot if everything our kids did was a reflection of us, then that's not true because that would make God a bad father because he, he would true. tell the Israelites, do this, don't do this. And they do exactly the opposite and yeah. then whine about the consequences. But I think one, staying plugged in and giving our best emotional capacity to our own home because I've just, that's what God's had me on lately is emotional capacity. Like I'm good mm -hmm. at saying, okay, I'm here. I'm making enough money. I'm doing what I need to do, but do I have an emotional bandwidth when my kids mm. sit down and say, I mean, just really unload on me. Okay. I'm here. I provide, we have a house to live in, but am I going to have the capacity to just listen, not react? And that's what I'm learning about which I know less about women now than when I got married 12 years ago, but sometimes 
not trying to fix the problem, not trying to minimize yeah. the problem, just listening and being a resource is huge. But what you said, in addition to that, there are so many opportunities to be invested in the next generation. Um, church is a huge one to do that. But I've found every place I did FCA, I was in four different counties. Every time I had a new turf, I went to the, the school system website and I found the volunteer page and I went in where it's background check, all that. And I yeah, applied yeah. to be a mentor or a volunteer or a test proctor, anything like that. Some of the best ministry work that I've done was just being a mentor for two kids at a high school. I'd go once a week, we eat lunch and man, they were going through some stuff and I would just listen. They had an outlet. I mean, it was huge. So I think whether it's a youth group at church, yeah, serving a football team, uh, mentoring at the school, what you said is huge. I think in, in being consistent with it, realizing that it's our responsibility, one, to invest in our own home. And as an overflow of that, I want to be able to invest in the community, um, whether it's mentoring through school, coaching youth sports, serving. Yeah. And there's, so, I mean, schools, especially so we're on the back end of COVID, so there's more opportunities to get to get in there. Um, man, schools are desperate for people just to come in, whether it's test proctor, uh, mentor, uh, field day, whatever. I mean, right. I've never been turned away from saying, I just want to show up with no expectation and serve. Uh, yeah. So I think there's great opportunities to – because – and I'm rambling on this, but it's so important. No, it is. They, they – we think that if we go in and mentor and do all that, we have to have all the answers. I, you know, to some kids, just being alive and doing life every day and loving your spouse and raising your kids and doing your work and still having the time to come hang out with them. I mean, that's all they need to see. We're just talking life. We're just going through it. And that's some of the best stuff I've ever seen for me was just free mentor work. Bro, I'm telling you. And, and some of those kids, and we live in a very diverse community at this high school here, but a lot of kids would just be fine seeing a guy sit down and, and smile and say, man, tell me what's on your mind. You know, somebody that's just a body that's smiling at them, maybe not coming down on them or yelling at them or discouraging them in any way, just somebody there that has nothing to gain by any of it. And, yeah, and kids can gain, see no right through it. Oh yeah. Right. Kids can see right through whether or not you're you've got an agenda, That's right? True. They they're better than adults at seeing through, you know, uh fakeness. And you're right, because there's two things that a lot of kids don't have and is somebody to listen to them and somebody that has their back. I mean, you can love somebody and have their back without condoning their actions, right? Like you don't That's have right. to come down and I mean, just listening and, and what's going on and you know, sometimes in, in, as a believer, I think it's my job to just go face-to-face, -face, punch people in the mouth with the Bible. There are times for that, I would say, but the receptiveness of them to receive what God has for them is going to be dependent upon the relational equity of the person that shares it, right? So once somebody's like, dude, this person cares, they love me, they have my back, and they just want to listen to me, that's they 99%. They want nothing from me. Yeah, yeah they nothing, nothing at all. From yeah, man. Okay. So give me a, uh, give me a, I guess, put your finger on the pulse of kids you've seen, teenagers you've seen. Where are we 
from a spiritual generation? Do we have, do we have a spiritually sound generation as a whole? Do we aggregately, can you even attempt to speculate on, give us a grade. Do we have a lot of kids mad at God? Do we have a lot of kids that don't really care? Do we have a lot of kids that don't think there's a God? Where do we fall? I would say, you know, I couldn't put a number on it, but right. the, the things that I've seen shape up are, I think apathy is the new, you sure. know, there's not it, it, just spiritual apathy. I don't, and, and not know, just the, with you know, teenagers either. Right. Yeah. Not just with kids. And I think that's what I think we have a generation of kids. They're like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not, um, anti God. I don't hate God. Therefore I don't have an issue or anything like that, but it's just whatever, you know, it's just, right. just apathy. like, Hey, if that works for you, that's great. So there's a lot of that. Then, then there's the other thing I've seen is not to be a downer here, but I think biblical illiteracy is at an all time high. I would among, 30 and under crowd. I mean, just, I'm talking some people know verses we do, but I'm talking opening yeah. the word, reading it for yourself is at an all time low. And I think that's another thing us as the next, the older generation can do is just model that the ultimate truth flows from the word. And I've, I've kind of been convicted lately. If I'm going to go talk to some people, especially younger generation, like, Hey, I want to get back to the importance of God's word. Now, the good news of that is, while apathy is at an all-time high, while I believe biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high, the kids that are coming to know Jesus now and the kids that are disciples for Christ are sold out. I honestly believe that because I would say, I don't know when it shifted, but up until a time in history, knowing God and being morally correct because you knew God was kind of how you fit in. It was kind of cool. You know, yeah. people would... Hey, if you start selling insurance, well, you want to go to the local church and tell everybody you're a Christian. And right. but now, since there may be less people coming into the kingdom, there may be more apathy. But the plus side of that is young kids I see that are coming to faith now. I mean, they are sold out. They truly get it. They believe it. They're on fire. And that's the main hope is that because the growth of spiritual uh, growth and maturity in the next generation. We're going to need to model it. We're going to need to invest it, but invest in it. But it's going to have to be kids that are in there right now that are sold out. And I've seen some of the strongest believers, I'm talking of any age, come out of 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds today. So I do think that the, the climate of the world, the climate of the country, the apathy, people that are grasping it, there's a lot less lukewarm going on nowadays, yeah. even though the apathy's high, the people that come to know Jesus, man, they're, they're sold out and they yeah. they have a burning desire for their peers. And I think that's a that's huge, good. there's a, you, you know, it's either you're in or you're out. I know that, sounds, that seems counterintuitive to the apathy thing, but it's either you're no, in. No, no. And I hear you too, because it sounds like it's quality over quantity right now, which is, is a good thing because if you're, you're talking about kids that are on the fence or maybe they just, they're in the apathetic group and they look over and see their kids. Like there's nothing more gravitational than presenting a faith that's attractive to somebody that might be on the fence. So kids that are all in sold out, having a good time. We're not boring Christians, right? We're not scared. We're bold. We're courageous, but we love people like that guy over there in the apathy bucket 
is more inclined to go over and be attracted to that group, right? He might be more influenced by that, by having that group of sold out versus twice as many in the Christian group that are just vanilla, that are doing it because they feel like they're obligated, that are boring, right? That are, that are, mm-hmm. mar- you know, they're, they're measuring themselves off a set of rules that Christianity has presented to them, right? That group, I don't want to be a part of that group, honestly, if I'm apathetic over here. So I love what you say about these kids that are coming up with a little more boldness, a little more courage, a little more fire, right? I'll take half as many right now, but to still have the sold out group because they're going to pull in those others. You agree with that? I do. And I, you know, as you look back and that was Jesus's approach. I mean, Hey, he'd, yeah. he'd rather have a few all in than a bunch of half ways. And I think too, we, you know, not to bag on us older folks, but I think a lot of this apathy and, and a lot of the what you're seeing from the younger generation now is, you know, they've kind of investigated people that the the church or whatnot, and, they, right. and like you said, there's a lot of apathy among older people, or, or they'll say, "Hey, I know so and so, and they're they're a believer, and they're not any different than so and so that's not a believer." So I think a, you're right, but a big thing is being authentic, letting people know, like, "Hey, I hold myself to a higher standard as a leader, but I have the same issues. I had the same issues growing up, just because I'm what in my 30s, I still struggle with what other people think." Um, you know, staying clean, treating people sure. well, like being very authentic, I feel like it bridges such a gap. And you're right. Believers that are authentic, that are living in adventure, that, that are living out the Great Commission shows the younger generation that there's more to this than quit smoking and cussing and vaping and go to church. Like, yeah, it could be part of it, but but there's an adventure and a calling and a richness and a purpose and a perspective that we have as believers that we have our hands on something that the rest of the world can't even comprehend. Yeah. And when that is proclaimed and the spirit of God is drawing that person to their self, like you said, yes, the quantity may be down, but the quality is higher of, yeah. of that. And that's encouraging, man. And yeah. to me, that's encouraging because a lot For of people sure. say, what are we going to do? I'm like, Hey, this next generation, the ones that are, following Jesus, they're on fire. And that is very encouraging. It is. I I like that. And that's what I want to try to get across with this series we're doing is, you know, not only present maybe a different lens for some of our next generation to look through that may be a little more hopeful from a faith standpoint, for sure, but from just how they see us as mentors, as coaches, as leaders, like, in your opinion and the work you've done with teenagers, I know you've been, and, and I, for lack of a better term, kind of in a Christian bubble with teenagers, you see probably the best of the best in those groups. But from a, from a standpoint as a whole, are they looking at us as a fraud from a majority standpoint? Do you think, not necessarily just the Christian kids, I'm talking about just teenagers, the ones that are looking at adults going, I don't believe what you say. you're a, you know, you seem like you're a fake, like they see all of us adults in social media with how we're fighting each other because of different color. We're fighting each other because of different side of the aisle. We sit on, we're fighting each other because of that. Right. So are they looking at us going, wow, you Christians, um, mm, there's some inconsistencies there. Do they, do do the teenagers think we're a fraud as, as, as adults? I, I would say, yes. I mean, it, there's a case by case basis, but as a whole, I would say yes. And I, that's why I believe that 
you know, impacting the next generation and what we're talking about all starts with us living our own life with high integrity and authenticity. Because, yes, I mean, the short answer is I believe that there is a the majority of people in the younger generation are thinking, why should I listen to them? They don't have it any more figured out than I do. Mm. And and I think, you know, meeting them and saying, hey, we, we don't have it figured out. We know the one who does. So let's humble ourselves a little bit and begin to listen, be authentic. And because, you know, relationship and proximity decrease that because this group thinks this about this group or this group thinks this about this group. If us as the next generation get contact knee to knee with some of these younger folks and say, Hey, yeah, we guess what? We're not perfect either. Yeah. Um, I hold myself to a higher standard as a leader, but, Hey, here's, here's, here's what I struggle with. Here's how God's delivered me from that. The more yeah. people doing that, I mean, yeah. the less of that fraud mentality is going to happen. And it's not an excuse for people to act a certain way because they think that, but yes, as a whole, yeah. I believe it starts with us being authentic and just being relational with that, not asking for anything right. in return to kind of decrease that. Yeah. And, and I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago that talked about positional versus uh, relational influence. And I think to your point, some of our fraud uh, portrayal, I guess, and, and perspective that they, that the other generation thinks about, like, I think we've put ourselves on this pedestal for so long and we've pointed down at them, telling them what to do instead of what you're saying, which I think there's a lot of, I think this separation, this gap is going to narrow a little bit so we can get in the boat, like you said, with them, instead of screaming from the shore, how to row the boat. I think we can get in the boat with them and then, let them know. Yeah, I'm transparent with you. Look, I, the reason I'm telling you this is because I wish someone would have told it to me. And mm -hmm. so it's one of those I can relate situations. It's an empathy situation. We got to get better at empathy ministry, I would say, with the next generation and let them know, look, we're not scared uh, to tell you we did the same stuff. But yeah. had I done what I'm doing now when I was your age, like, I would be so much further along. So here you go. Like that kind of thing. So I think we got to, we got a curve. The curve is going to be steep for us to change some of that, but it starts, like you said, with coaches, leaders, mentors, just being humble, bringing everybody right back to the center, which is the cross. And then all of us just kind of locking arms and understanding nobody's perfect. Nobody has all the answers, but with by faith, you know, we have the same God. All of us are similar, regardless of what you look like or what I look like. So I, I'm, I'm excited as to where this could go. If you, me, everybody like us kind of does that. Um, so as we kind of try to land the plane here, man, uh, there's a quote on your website and it's, it's under ASAF talks. Um, which is your company. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pull it up here because I, I this was an awesome quote. So I want to, it was, it's a little tagline in the, on the webpage. And I'm going to read it to you. Bridging the gap between religious and reckless through his righteousness. Man, I love that. Um, so simple. Uh, I'm kind of an alliter alliteration nerd too. So I, it spoke to me some, but Man, un maybe unpack that a little bit, how you landed on that and why those words, why religious and uh, reckless through his righteousness? Like what, what made you come up with that? Well, I've been on both sides of that. So for me, I grew up in this is my journey as a teen and a very 
small nutshell. I grew up in a very religious, uh, condemning environment, not necessarily at home. That's not a slight to where I grew up or anything. Yeah, that was just right. how I interpreted it was, man, I can never be as good as everybody in here in their suit and all that. I mean, these people are too religious for me. So then I decided, well, if I can't be good enough to, to join them, I'm going to do my own thing. So I'm just going to be reckless and I'm going to numb the pain of not being able to reach that standard through being reckless. So there was two sides. And that's kind of and when Jesus would approach people, there's either the reckless sinner or the yep. proud religious leader Pharisees, that thinks, yeah. yeah, well, both of those people, whether you can't be good enough to earn it, you can't be too bad to run from it. Only his righteousness bridges that gap. So for me, my target audience in ministry is the guy I used to be and the guy I am. We, there, everybody I talk to and in and, and my own self either think we're, hey, we're religious, we don't need God, or hey, I'm too bad for God, I'm reckless. And his righteousness, his blood on the cross bridges those together. So my goal is to, hey, is to um, reach the reckless rescue the religious from themselves and then revive the righteous. The righteous is, Hey, when we have our hands on the gospel, we know we're not too bad for God and our religious rules don't get us there. We've got our hands on the truth, the righteousness. Yeah. We, man, that's, that's, that's worth yeah. living for. So that's absolutely. A that's a good. That. No, that's real good. And that's a great explanation too. So uh, tell us about the work you're doing and, and if people want to hire you to come talk to some of the groups, like give us an example of the kind of the places that you really feel like is your sweet spot and, and the businesses or the groups you, you speak most to, and then where to find your resources, man. Yeah. So uh, LincolnLawing.com and the, the name of the ministry, the, the nonprofit is ASAF Talks and that's in reference to ASAP that wrote some Psalms. Psalm 73 is my favorite. He cuts no corners. He's very honest with God, like myself. So that's why the ministry's done that. So we're doing evangelism and discipleship primarily through four lanes, which is speaking, writing, mentoring, and chaplaincy. So target group, target audience for us is I do a lot of sports teams, a lot of coaches events, a lot of men's events. Um, I do a lot of stuff in where addiction resources tomorrow morning, I'm going to do a chapel. Um for some addict uh, place where there's some guys that are going through an addiction program. So that's the target audience, but some resources. Um, we just cranked up a new podcast called his show. It's for baseball guys. So, so like the show, the big leagues, yeah, but it's yeah. God's show. So his show. And that's cool a result logo, of, by some, the way, cool. Yeah. Logo. There's a guy uh, named Matt McCammon that me and him have been working together on trying to pull some different lanes in from the baseball community and create a central place where, if you play baseball, coach baseball, watch baseball, or umpire, whatever you do, and you want to grow in your faith, his show podcast is great because we're doing a Sunday message every Sunday morning for guys that are traveling and can't get the word. Um, we're bringing on former pro guys and current pro guys once a month and saying, tell us about your faith, tell us about baseball, how do they collide. So it's his show podcast where the game and the gospel collide, and that's on wherever you listen to podcasts, his show Lincoln Lawing, and I'm yeah. very excited. I do a devotion once a week on from uh, on, through my website. You can sign up at lincolnlawing.com. I took those devotions. You can read them in less than a few minutes, put them all in a book. So ASAF Talks Volume 1 is on Amazon, Kindle, or that. So feel free, Lincoln at lincolnlawing.com. Email me, 
lincolnlawing.com contact we've got a lot of resources audio reading come talk would god just want to do what god's called me to do and if i can serve anybody listening love for you to reach out yeah yeah it's awesome i love what you what you're doing man you're speaking our language in my household because we're a baseball family and uh you know the sun has set on a on some of that, but I still kind of keep in touch and keep my, my oldest is now coaching uh, at his old high school, which is really cool. And so it's come full circle. So, man, I'm going to have to <clears throat> get uh, him to, to check your stuff out. Cause he's starting up a select group, a travel baseball co- uh, organization too, for the summertime. So we'll have to get him on your pod or get him sure, to listen that's to your podcast. Audience, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. So uh, I appreciate it, man. Uh, it's good having you back. And I thought this was a great, topic and you offered uh some some serious gold and i appreciate your perspective and your experience has has been valuable for the audience and i appreciate it so audience with that he's been lincoln lawing we've been last in line be blessed <laughs>